0: Hi listeners, I'm Lizzie Metam welcome to People My Dog Would Like, where I get to chat to interesting people about their game-changing ideas, fresh initiatives and out-of-the-box movements with an eye on the future. Today my guests are Mark Wolfe and Adam Scott. Mark is Principal at one of Australia's leading architectural firms, Hassel, with more than 20 years' experience leading design teams on major aviation and transport infrastructure projects in Australia, the UK, Europe, Africa and the Middle East. Since joining Hassel in 2011, Mark has played a lead role on projects that include the Christchurch integrated terminal, the expansion of the Brisbane domestic terminal and the redevelopment of Melbourne Airport's southern precinct, including the design of new Terminal 4. He's currently working with a number of airports in Australia on their future plans. Mark previously worked on major infrastructure projects in the UK including Crossrail, Heathrow Terminal 5, the redevelopment of Heathrow Terminal 3 and Gatwick's North Terminal. That was a lot. Okay, Adam is an architect, designer and creative force behind Free State UK. The multi-award winning experience, master planners and architects responsible for storyboarding some of the world's greatest brands. We are lucky enough for him to be in Melbourne today. Trained as an architect, he builds experiences for some of the most exciting and demanding clients in the world, from Sony to Samsung to Virgin Atlantic and MTV, to Brookfield property in the city of Blackpool. Adam's singular approach to the art and science of placemaking begins with the belief in creating the ideal experience above all things. He's very human. Placing the importance of people and their journey as centre stage, Adam stands at the forefront of a very modern and multi-sensory wave of experience design. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you. That was a bit of a mouthful. I need to say <clears throat> two of you quite a lot that you've experienced so far that it's, you've done.
1: You sound great. Don't you?
0: you sound pretty fab, yeah. yeah. And it's listen,
2: downhill from now. On, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask. <laughs> are, yeah, I love your glasses. Are they the specs? <laughs> 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 yes.
2: They're, they're I, actually buffalo horn, these ones. Very cool. They're very, very cool. yeah. I like them. I like them a lot. Thank you.
0: Well, listen, I can't thank you enough for flying in. Just yesterday and fitting me into your incredibly hectic schedules. You guys are fabulous for doing that. How were your flights? Mine was very, uh,
1: mine very was, long. Mine was shorter and less luxurious than Adam's. Oh. Right, it?
0: Well, I... I, I it, I gather that you were experiencing some serious bling in Dubai
2: (laughs) I was well I think one thing for me you know and Mark and I talk about this a lot that airports you know particularly a place like Dubai only exists if you're a consumer and there's nothing else to do if you don't want to buy there's nothing to take part in. So, so it feels very sort of, you know, yeah, very dry, very monolithic, very miserable. So I sort of try to shut my eyes and just sort of yeah. get to the plane.
0: <laughs> yeah, I got I got that from your email too, that, yeah, the plane was a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, so I think what we
2: want, yeah. I, I want to, like, whenever I go to airports with my kids, you know, what I want is for us all to have a good time rather than them being sort of dragged around and having a miserable time of it. And I think that's why places like Changi are interesting, where yeah. you know, there's butterfly gardens and they're beginning to build a botanical garden and things that are refreshing, not just sort of mean-spirited and about money.
0: Mm, well, I mean, talking about Changi, I was really interested in an article I read recently that you were mentioning Munich yeah. Airport. So tell us a little bit about Munich. I mean, obviously, Mark, you would know as well. I, I was fascinated.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's an exemplar that we've looked at and, and talked about seemingly endlessly for the last for the last year. Um, it's it's a great example of, of collaboration between um, uh, an airport client, airlines, developers, to produce something that's not necessarily orientated towards. Um, generating pure revenue or specifically for the passengers. So, the thing about Munich Airport is it sits some way outside of of central Munich, but it's surrounded by uh, a number of communities, Uh, and they've built what's effectively, it's a commercial precinct, that's for sure, Mm. so um, understanding that certain businesses um, like to locate close to airports or on airport um, for those transport links, but also, created a, a public space, um, and it's a, it's a, an event space, if you like. Um, they hold very diverse activities there, Christmas markets, um, launches for car companies and other products. Wow. Um, but also, probably uh, probably um, the one that the one stands out, because it's so out of context, is the surf competition that they hold there. Oh,
0: I couldn't in believe a giant that. Wave pool.
1: So... Uh, probably wouldn't work here in Australia because it's, uh, <laughs> it's probably more expected, <laughs> Yeah, they've got though. a bit of competition. Yeah, but the point is that they've um, uh, they've developed something that really yeah. uh, is cherished by the local community, if you like. It, it attracts them to the airport.
2: Well,
0: they come early. Um,
1: Who goes to the well, airport well, early? Uh, it, it, there's people that go even if they're not flying as well because there's stuff there to do. There's things yeah. to get engaged with, get involved with. And, of course you know you attract uh, a critical mass of people to a certain location is obviously a, uh, a financial um, positive to that mm.
2: um,
1: but it's yes yeah, certainly a, uh, yeah. an exemplar that we've been talking about for a little while now yeah because we spend so much time in these places don't we
2: yeah, yeah. and so well,
1: why I mean, not make it to me what about the data
2: the
0: data that you yeah. sent me the other day was some insane I, I don't know whether i completely believe it do you really believe 15 percent at any one time, 15% of the world's population are in a departure lounge. That's what I read.
1: Yeah.
0: I saw a data map that said that.
1: Yeah.
0: A futurist center. it. Steve Sammartino, who's a Melbourne futurist, yeah. he's the tech commentator on ABC Radio National, and he
1: pl- posted it as
0: well, and then you mentioned it, and I yeah. thought,
1: 15%? Well, I've, I've been in some Qantas lounges, and it feels like 15% of the world's population in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. So...
0: I would agree with that. You do feel like you're on a cat in a cattle truck sometimes, don't you? Where there's just too many people. So, Adam, what do you feel about the future of airports? I mean, uh, you're obviously very, very keen on the human experience and the human yeah. engagement. Well, I think of design. Well, for me,
2: I think I think it's sort of so often, you know, large bits of city, complicated places, you can see quite rightly, they begin with infrastructure people go, okay, this is the most worrying thing and we need to pour a huge amount of concrete, so we're going to get into very serious people who are going to speak about that and then after that we're going to think about the architecture, and Mm. that's very serious and very, very important, Mm. and then after that we're going to think about what happens within it and then we're going to then think about how we market it to the humans.
0: And maybe how the humans use it. Yeah, which
2: seems to be like, surely that's bizarre isn't it that the last thing to sort of overlay is that human experience and i think what we'd argue is if you start with the human experience if you start with that ideal in the same way that if you're developing a product or a service you know people like apple and airbnb and uber are ruling the world because they care about ux above everything they start with that and then all the hardware and software is in service of that ideal experience and i think we're saying let's But let's understand that. Let's say that infrastructure, we can do anything. In many ways, that's the hygiene factor, making sure that everything runs efficiently and effectively. Mm. Now, let's think about the other thing, beginning with E, and think about the experience itself. Mm. Let's start with that, and then everybody else can work in service of that ideal experience.
0: Mm. It's fascinating, and I mean... You know, you've obviously... I mean, I'm not sure specifically what you're here for this time round, Adam. I know you come to Australia a lot, but I certainly look at Sydney Airport or the second Sydney Airport as a huge potential opportunity for, you know, the incredible, um, I don't know, economic drive that the second airport could give, but also just um, reframing what... Uh, an airport could be like for the people in Western Sydney, mm. and that user, that amazing user experience, or just fun that yeah. it could actually provide. Yeah. So, are you guys talking with the stakeholders involved with? With I mean, you must be.
1: At yeah, I mean, we, we've 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 actually been involved previously mm.
2: um,
1: to an extent, um, but it's it's. Um, it's definitely a project that we would be really keen keen to do. We're very passionate about it. As a, I'd as a love
0: you guys to get um,
1: it. I think for me, it's a, <laughs> it's a it's a great opportunity to to get it right, and that's 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 how I see it. And I think the, the way Adam thinks about experiences this um, this underlay rather than something that's an afterthought. Yeah, you know, so
0: explain like that. that. I was going to talk yeah. about I loved mm. the I loved the kind of metaphor, the underlay mm. and the overlay mm. and getting it the right way round because in the past we yeah. haven't got it the right way round exactly what you said yeah. and I loved the con- uh, th- there's a story in that isn't yeah. it? The narrative think, is great.
1: I think traditionally we've We've leapt into exactly what Adam describes, which is um, the airport needs to expand. It's got a capacity issue, whatever, and we design the infrastructure to respond to that. The process, you know, of how people move through airports. So it's been governed by what the airport owners or the the airlines want you to do and how they want to shepherd you around. So it's it's not it, it, not to say that it's unkind, but it's very much. Um, Treating people like uh, and passengers like cattle, the way that you know we want you to be here at this point in time, we want to check in here, and we want you to go over there until and you're called to board your plane. And yeah. and so, um, so we've done that, we've designed infrastructure that responds to the operation and to the needs and wants of, of the customers, but the customers being airlines in that instance. Um, and retail has been a big part of that story as well. Mm. Um, Passenger experience is, you know, in terms of the terminology has probably been around, I don't know, maybe ten, maybe fifteen years now. But it's 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 traditionally been that kind of okay, now we've designed that terminal, now we know how it's gonna work, now we know that the airlines are happy with their products and how all that's gonna work. Oh now we should think about the passengers. So what about a nice splash of colour over here? Mm. Let's get some nice furniture, or let's you know, let's have a view, let's do whatever. And these are fundamental um, uh, it's not to belittle those those efforts because they they can do make a difference. But um, I think if you're thinking about the experience from the offset, yeah. you could you could make a market difference to to how people perceive that journey. Yeah. It could be far more pleasant, far more engaging. Mm. Um, so, uh, so, so it's an amazing
0: really opportunity in Sydney, really, yeah. Yeah, let's absolutely. be honest. It's yeah. a huge economic opportunity and yeah. it's a huge cultural yeah. opportunity. That's where I think yeah. you know, it would really celebrate potentially Australian culture.
1: I yeah. think uh, going back to Munich, Munich is a, an airport that those local communities are extremely proud of. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think there's many airports in Australia that no. you'd find the local community do anything but maybe bitch at the local airport
0: well, I'm one of so. those people that turns <laughs> up to the airport late yeah. and then I say to them, oh listen my flight's about to, can you, so I don't line up and they, they always let you in, don't mm. they so just tip for everybody, tip for <laughs> listeners yeah. arrive late they'll always put you to the front of the lawn because they don't want you to miss your plane but it's the, the yeah. inordinate queues it's the hideousness of just being there but tell us a little bit about what you'd be what you'd be wanting to achieve in an opportunity like the Sydney Airport, for instance, Adam.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I think from well, I think we, we work together on it. we. we Years ago we worked with Virgin Atlantic, right at the very beginning, okay. when they were, and they were sort of competing particularly against British Airways. So British Airways were building their Cathedral to Aviation, which is Terminal 5, mm. and they have, you know, they're, they're enormous, they have over 300 planes. Mm. Little Virgin Atlantic only has about 30 planes, 39 planes I think at that time. There's no way they could ever compete. So mm. they needed to innovate with the experience, they needed to think about all the steps on the journey, not the glamorous lounge and that destination. Mm but every single element. And I think... Working with them, we saw that that care that is about every part of it, whether it's about the digital experience, whether it's about what happens at your garden gate, and about how anxious you are because you've got an hour and a half before you get to the airport terminus. No matter how glamorous and extraordinary that lounge is going to be, I'm still very worried because something might go wrong. So by thinking in their sense about how they would send a chauffeur-driven car for the high rollers, but how for everybody else, they'd also think about that journey, make it as easy as possible for you, Mm. and then meet you there at the end... Have a human being meeting you there at the edge of the terminal, not some glamorous sort of portico, but an individual who'd look you in the eyes and ask you questions and help you out, not expecting it's going to be done just by a departure board, but all those sort of small connections—the light, the sound, the smell, the taste, the mm. people, the behaviour, the conversation—everything working. Multisensory experience. Exactly. that You talk about everything working in concert, and I mm. think that's what I suppose we'd start with. You'd say, okay, what? Do our audience want? What will be most relevant to them? And I think, of course, retail and efficiency and moving fast will be part of it. But actually, what we might also find is people want to have co-working opportunities there. That What a great place to meet people. A
0: network, perfect. Yeah. Can you imagine the networking opportunities yeah. at airports? And isn't this the second biggest
2: route in the world? Surely, all those, rather than avoiding chance encounters because they might slow you down. Celebrate oh, them. Having opportunities to stop and yeah. say, actually, we're going to spend some time together now because we bumped into one another we're going to have that meeting. We're going yeah. to have that conversation. But, and not to do it just sitting, you know, on the edge of a shop, but somewhere that might be conducive to that conversation.
0: And I guess, really, if you think about that, what the future will hold will be people actually planning their flights around who they're going to meet at the airport, yeah. potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and, know. And, and it's the, it's and, the next meeting room. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. that's right. Mm. So what are they are going to do there? So... And, and again, I, mean, I think, for me, the concern around the way the industry will potentially go, um, there, there are huge benefits in terms of what technology gives. But what it does do, it will, it will speed up processes to become more seamless. Mm. It reduces the amount of interaction that the airport or the airline will have with the consumer. And therefore, there's this kind of significant um, advantage in terms of a transaction Mm. That's lost, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, for instance, the idea that um, we're trying to create somewhere that will attract someone early um, is very important because if I if I can arrive at the airport um, in a um, in an Uber and I know it's going to take me X amount of time, I don't have to park, so I'm straight out. I know I've checked in at home. There's no check in in the future. Let's say mm. uh, security could be a walk through. Uh, what's that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Total recall type experience. Yeah, where yeah.
0: You're, you're scared. Or you, know,
1: you was and you said the skeletons dancing around. <laughs> uh, um, it could be that kind of experience. So what, what it does then, it, it decreases um, the time which you need to get to the airport ahead of the flight. The processes. Flight. Exactly. So mm. So potentially that, what we call dwell time, is vastly reduced. And that, of course, could have an impact on the airport's bottom line. So the idea of creating a destination. An airport is a destination, a place where people actually want to be mm. and maybe would go, well, I, I'm going to go two hours early because I really want to eat at that you know, amazing restaurant that we have got there yeah. before I fly because I know I'm flying economy and the food's going to be not great. So I'll have a lovely meal and then we'll get on the flight. I think that's, that's really important. And I think... Um, Probably the other thing as well, uh, you know, wellness and health.
0: Yes. Everybody seems to think
1: everybody seems to think passenger experience is about glitz and glamour and entertainment Mm -hmm. and and bustly thriving. There's there's always an element of of the travelling public that probably want space, quiet. Relaxation, absolutely, those some of, of the busiest so, people in the world. I yeah. mean, we could see um, you know, spas, massage rooms, libraries, mm. relaxation areas all start to spring up as well. So the airports need to respond to uh, people's That demand. Designs. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just learning from
2: people, isn't it? Because we all know instinctively that's right, don't we? But I think one of the problems with any sector, like we work across lots of sectors, and Mm -hmm. and I think one of the things you see is, of course, people who are working in airports go to conferences about airports, read magazines about airports, go to websites and probably listen to podcasts about airports. Mm -hmm. And one of the dangers is that all of your references become from the world of your sector. Mm -hmm. Or a case in this case, you know, if we learnt from, you know, if Nike ran an airport, if Burberry ran an airport, Mm -hmm. if... uh, I don't know if my local sort of spa kind of hotel ran an airport just imagine how wonderful that would be if Mm. we just took the efficiency thing as taken for granted Mm. and then could just deal with the people and say how wonderful we've got 90 minutes together with
1: these people what could we do how relevant could that be i think i can see a (coughs) excuse me a big crossover with you know, the hospitality sector, for instance. I mean, huge. And the music industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Entertainment.
2: Entertainment. You know, that's the that we love huge. about Munich. You know, they have a curated program. Yeah. yeah, and that's why people come early and want to stay longer. Yeah. because there's different things going on. Yeah. any any brand will tell you this. The important thing is that you have a constantly changing kind of range of activities.
0: It's like a symphony, isn't yeah. it? It's almost like a symphony. Like there are different variations of it, and you know, it's a very. Inter- I love the fact that mm. what the way you talk, it's very integrated. It's so human. Mm. You know, I th- sometimes one of the criticisms I have about the event space for instance, is, you know, you go to the mobile event and you go to the Smart City event. Yeah. And it, you know, it's yeah. like, what about integrating it yeah. with performance artists yeah. and, and it a, making it a real experience? People go to these events normally, they learn about one thing, yeah. and it goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really even an amazing network opportunity anymore yeah. because people are bored, yeah. because people aren't that boring. People are actually yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Being human yeah. is actually... Really interesting. So why don't you bring that to events? Why don't you bring that to design and architecture? And, you know, it's fabulous that you guys, I think it was 2016 that you partnered? Yes. So
2: fabulous. Well, I think that's, uh, we, we are, well, I mean, Free State... I mean, we should say partnered
0: involved. as in not between the two of you, but you partnered <laughs> with Free State. They families. have wives, just here, like so we're just sometimes. talking about <laughs> yeah. just, They spend a lot of time together.
2: Yeah, we we'll just need to clarify that.
0: <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> clarify who the partners are. So Hassles yeah. and, or Hassles Studio and Free State UK. Yeah
2: so I think I mean
0: from
2: last year. interesting for that is that you know, it has a lot of legends in how they think about designing environments and places people Absolutely. love and and that's if you imagine that's the kind of hardware place. what we're interested in is the software place. we're mm. interested in the live component the programmatic bit mm. and I think by c- the combination is potentially what some clients find it very exciting because you've got you know these, these extraordinary people who have great you know knowledge of the scale and complexity of things and then we have great knowledge of how you activate it how you turn it on and make sure that it's not just about an extraordinary day one but it gets better and better through time.
1: And I think that's the sort of opportunity of those two together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, think of how exciting a place could be, be it transport infrastructure or, mm. you know, a education precinct or, a, you know, health precinct, if you knew that your journey there or through that particular precinct is different every time. Mm. How exciting is that to go somewhere that... There's a little bit of the unknown when you go. Yeah. The, but you know that when you go, it's going to be interesting, whatever yeah. it is.
0: Yeah, you'll be discovering yeah. something yeah. new, yeah. you know, yeah. that curiosity kind of addresses all
2: of our curiosity. Yeah, and you can opt in. So, you know, we're not going to sort of freak people out. If they are a we're not going to actually you know, give them a festival whether they like it or not. Oh,
0: well, that's
2: nice. <laughs> actually,
0: of course because there'd be people out there that go I actually just want to get on a plane yeah
2: yeah leave me alone can with you your just, weird program yeah chill out this <laughs> yeah. is a little bit too yeah. much but it's a bit like what I love about me. Melbourne does that very well sort of instinctively in that you know when I come here yes of course one can move around the city very efficiently and i you know, we, we you know there are straight roads, and then there's great and those are places for cars but then if I want to spend time there and explore you have your laneways with all those extraordinary local and independent stories that give me reasons to spend hours and hours Hours mm-hmm. only, travelling a few, you know, a few hundred metres, and I suppose it's like that, isn't it? That 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 is a great bit of city making. Oh, and airport should learn yeah. I think
1: that's a good metaphor, actually. I can imagine, um, you know, a scenario w- w- where you could apply that, where you provide, you give obviously the option of a clear, straight, kind of seamless, intuitive kind yeah. of route yeah. for passengers that are in a hurry and they need to get from A to B quickly. But yeah. but you have the option to, as you say. To just go off the grid. Yeah, yeah find those little yeah. secrets.
0: So, yeah. I mean, that's what. That's, right. that's why I love Melbourne. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's full of these gorgeous little magical secrets yeah. that you do discover if you just go off the beaten path.
1: People like to yeah, explore, yeah. right? That's yeah, the they
0: do. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah. and too often, you know, the airport experience is that homogenous thing where I'm going. Well, you know, I, if I don't want to kind of go to Tiffany or Pret a Manger or whatever. Then what am I going to do? And you know, I, I don't fit here. It's not relevant. I think too often designers do these things, but they talk about a sense of place. Or actually, they should talk about a sense of relevance. Mm. You know, the, but it connects with the individual. That's the most important thing. And of course, we talk about Sydney Airport. Sydney ness can come out in that relationship with the people that make these amazing yeah. places and stories, yeah. rather than having to have lots of
1: pictures of the Opera House. Yeah. You know, that's oh, just, I think it's, it's the lowest common denominator. Just, it's so tired,
0: yeah. isn't There's, isn't there's
1: many bad examples around the world of where that kind of passenger experience, sense of place, if you like, is very clichéd, almost Disneyland yeah. in its approach, you know, theme parkish. I think there's clever ways of doing it. Some great examples around the world, like... Um, you know, San Francisco Terminal 2, for instance, mm-hmm. where they've provided a showcase for for many local bars, restaurants, products. Yeah. So it's, it's, a ta- it's a taste of the Bay Area. Yeah. It's not about, you know, having a big mural of the Golden Gate Bridge um, yeah. and, and other San Francisco sites and experiences, uh, Alcatraz and so on. But it's it's mm-hmm. that taste of... Yeah. It's been curated. No Someone's yeah. carefully
2: chosen that, yeah. and said, yeah. "I care
1: about you. I care about these people."
2: Like Helsinki Airport, at the moment, has sort of some of their their favourite degree stu- student degree show students from around Helsinki. Their particularly applied crafts are being shown in the airport. Oh, so rather than having some monster company there that can afford the rents, yeah. they're giving space to these individuals. That's their first show, their first chance to really you know meet. An audience but beyond their college and, and so great right, leverage opportunities and, yeah, for them making it their own, so that's incredibly exciting. That rather than buying something totally generic, you can get something that's really specific. And you met the individual that made it, that's wonderful. And then within that, they're surrounded by pine trees. So, again, the smell of the place mm. you know, you know that you're coming to Helsinki, it's Finland, like no other bit of place in the world because they're not battering you with modern architecture mm. but giving you something that's sort of visceral. It
1: so, that's so that perfect gigantic. sweet spot. It? that's 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 where kind of sense of place meets sense of relevance. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When I was living in London, actually, I lived in London for quite a while. When I came back to I used to come, I to get very homesick. You know, the sad seasonal affective disorder that everyone goes through in yeah. London during those cold months. True. I used to come back pretty much every January and spend a few weeks in Perth. And the one thing I never forgot was getting off the plane and smelling the eucalypts,
2: yes, yes, yes.
0: You know, walking through the airport. The doors open, and all you would smell are these just glorious eucalypts, and you'd be thinking, "Oh, it's so beautiful!"
2: Exactly, exactly, and that really takes you back, doesn't it? The, the, you know, it really stimulates the imagination. And I think you know, smell, taste, sound—you know, what we talk about, we learn from hospitality, but also learn from entertainment. Mm. That, you know, it is about this kind of whole journey and how we kind of get warmed up to it. And I think you know, this doesn't need to be. This isn't naive talk either. That you know, particularly. You know, when I'm referencing the brands we work with, they live or die by whether their audience transacts. Yeah, you know, we're not saying Absolutely. that you don't. You know, this isn't about uh, ensuring recommendations, shareability, making money, yada yada. But what you need to do is do it on people's terms, so that they want to spend time with you. That's all we're talking about: being a generous host. And if you get that right, then the whole journey works.
0: Mm. So, listen. Something I'd like to talk about, or I'd like you to. Um, share with us is you know you're both architects Um, I understand you were at the RCA what was it that got you into architecture and design and and, you know you both sound like you've come from quite different places so tell me a little bit about your own stories who's going to start
2: Shall I start with this? Yeah. You, go. Yeah. you go. Well, I'll give you my, my, the brief version of this, because um, okay, because we so, could be here for hours. Yeah, yeah, i was going to say I'll be back in about half an hour. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so I, um, so I, I did study architecture, and yeah, like you said, I went to I went to the Royal College, and, and that was wonderful. But for for me, actually, the the uh, I in many ways I wasn't a very good student because I was I was interested in, 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 in everything and you know one of the reasons I went first to, to the McIntosh School in Glasgow and then the Royal Coach of Art was I could be in an art school environment yeah and what I loved about that was particularly at the Royal Coach, when the galleries were closed on the ground floor then you weren't allowed to go down the lifts so and we architecture School was on the 7th floor you had to snake your way through all the other departments so there was women's wear men's wear textile design there was kind of uh, there was jewellery there was uh, metalwork. there was ceramics mm. And so you just of bumping into these extraordinary people and then all meeting up in a bar and having these conversations about, as you said, the integrated, the holistic, the bigness Mm. of of design. And for me, that's what I loved about it. So in many ways, architecture for me is an opportunity to have conversations with everybody involved in the process. And in that sense, it isn't about a singular idea of authorship. It's the idea of this great big idea of shared authorship. And in many ways, I suppose, The criticism any of my students ever had of me, and I remember one guy telling me that he.
0: Criticising
2: yeah, it. Say, say it was, your mind is like a bric-a-brac shop. Uh, <laughs> Lovely. And he, and he meant that as a really bad thing. But I was oh. thinking, yes, <laughs> hurrah! Well, yes, that, is, that is the mind I want, I will be That's fine you. Uh-huh moment, like, I've succeeded. <laughs> exactly. And so in many ways, everything we do is based on that, being kind of really open-minded in our references and mm-hmm. then bringing it to bear on you know, designs that, yes, are architecture in their broader sense of the word.
0: So I guess you didn't come into it thinking that's how you were going to evolve. I think it was, I don't know, but do people do architecture thinking that they're going to do that? I think, did you ever have yeah. that aha moment going through those, you know, the myriad of places, mm. the jewelers and, yeah. and think, God, there's something in this. I think
2: I I definitely... Well, I I grew up in this, and this is where it's going to... I won't, honestly, this is going to not be too long, but I grew up in an English landscape garden at Stowe in Buckinghamshire, and my parents were were teachers. It was a school. But this is a place where landscape and temples and inscriptions, you know, there's an extraordinary composition that's there to encourage people to explore. So I knew that that kind of world, I was interested in how, yeah, it could be about the journey rather than the destination. But only... You know, like with every conversation now, do I think, oh, yeah, that could be useful. Sometimes I think it's all very well talking about designing journeys, but does anybody really want that? So it's nice to be talking to airport people at the moment and go, okay, that is relevant. Or we talk to university people who need to design experiences and they find it relevant. So we're we're finding our place, I suppose.
0: Okay. That's something we, I think, I'm writing that down because I want to talk about that a bit later as well. So, I so I talked. You Mart, did. Mart, Mart, I'm sorry. sorry. No, but can, can, that was my fault because I I, I asked you to sorry. elaborate.
1: Can What was the question again? Can you remind me?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what got you into architecture?
1: Oh, uh, look. Um,
0: what got you into wearing those glasses? It's, like, it's, let's be honest. Oh, what are, is it about architects? They all wear dark frame glasses, don't they? Uh,
1: these are quite recent. Um,
0: Acquisitions. Yeah.
1: um, It was starting to get difficult to drive, so I thought I should invest in going and getting my eyes tested. But what got me into architecture? um, Good question. Uh, Probably... uh, uh, Probably quite a simple story in a lot of ways, and, and, and actually I wasn't. You mentioned not being a, a great student. I don't think I was either. But my—that's um, I always of, think <laughs> that's a
0: great sign. Isn't that a great I sign? A bit of a rebel, bit of a revolutionary.
1: Yeah. Uh, my dad. I grew up in Rugby, which is a, a town in central England, um, home of the game. Yeah. Um, where Rugby Union was invented, um, and that was kind of a big passion of mine, I guess through university that, that, that probably remained a passion, I probably focused more on my rugby than I did on my studies, um, but what, I guess what really initially got me into um, I guess design was, was through art and drawing, uh, and my father was an accountant, um, he, he got a job working for as financial director for a large multidisciplinary design company. And, uh, of course, as you do, school, work work. work experience, all that kind of thing, started in the print room, getting high Mm -hmm. on, you know, the old acetone printers, the old... Back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those days. (laughs) Um, But, you know, graduated to the drawing boards and and just helping out uh, in the drafting office and that kind of struck a chord with me and um, I guess I also had an interest in buildings. I remember driving around, rugby, you know, being inspired by some pretty ordinary, actually, um, industrial buildings. But there's something about buildings uh, and, and, you know, they just, I don't know, I just kind of gravitated towards them. Mm. And um, so I ended up, you know, applying to do architecture at a range of different places. Ended up at Birmingham. And then, um, funnily enough, in my last year before my master's, I ended up working uh, in a local practice in Birmingham, uh, who were doing a 50-year master plan for the local airport. Fabulous. Uh, I think that was my aha moment, if we're talking about aha mm, moments. Mm. Um, that's when my kind of, I guess, uh, airports are semi-industrial, I guess a lot of things came together then. It was a, a typology that I instantly thought, wow, this is really exciting. You know, I got to go airside with my hi-vis jacket on and my security pass. and. <laughs> I know it's uh, the fumes again, fumes. Well, I
0: can't over the, uh, it, <laughs> over the The Gats. Gats. It doesn't really fit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it just there it was something about the whole environment that I just really enjoyed. Mm. Um, when I moved down to London, my first, I applied for a range of jobs and ended up doing my first job at Stansted Airport. And I did another one. Mm-hmm. And I went to Heathrow. I did load of jobs at Heathrow and Gatwick, and basically, you're the holding uh, kind of yeah, before, I mean, before you know it, you, you kind of transition from being somebody who's done a lot of projects in a certain Field sector, sector yeah. to being a kind of, I don't know, I guess an expert. So are you specialist. like the
0: airport guru of Australia, Mark?
1: Oh, there's probably a couple of other people who would claim to be that. But um, I guess in terms of track record and the projects we're currently working on as well, we're, we're, we're kind of at the forefront, if you can call it that. Yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah. So given that you've just talked about what led you into architecture who are some of the people in the design space that inspire you or well, maybe they're not even in design but i expect that there are designers and artists and architects out there that you look to for inspiration or guidance in some way
1: mm-hmm. yeah probably adam for me <laughs>
2: That's
1: true. Really? I don't know. Really? <laughs> oh no, no, I think that's so <laughs> sweet. Oh look, they looked at each other guys. It's so gorgeous. It was, They're was both sli- beaming at each sad. other. It was slightly too cheek. <laughs> I just want to qualify that. I don't want Adam to get too excited. Um I, I think it's pretty impressive. Somebody that he is, yeah. So I think somebody that impacted me quite early on was uh was probably the first person I worked for when, when I moved down to London. And he was, he was an architect and an urban designer. Maybe in some ways a bit ahead of his time um, in terms of how he thought about planning airports. Uh, and, and maybe, he certainly passed away last year, but um, you know he, he was very, very passionate, um, not just about the planning of terminals, but how they, how they fit within their surrounds and how people were to use them and navigate through them. And I think... Um, I think maybe a lot A lot of that, I think, rubbed up on, on probably a, a generation of us who've been through that practice and, and probably spread around the world a little, actually. Mm. Um, there's and there's, there's a caucus of, um, you know, maybe uh, 10 individuals that I can think of that, that were there when I started this particular practice. They're called Pascal and Watson. Yes, a, I they were transport that. specialists. Um, there's, there's a group that have gone on to do... Do great things in some stable in architecture. Some went into engineering. Mm. Um, big multidisciplinary firms, but stayed close to the sector, and, and and I've got a passion for it. Probably because it rubbed off from from Alan, who's the gentleman I'm referring no. to. So um, what was
0: his name? Alan.
1: Alan Lamond okay. Scotsman, Kenny okay. Scotsman. He was the he's a financial director as well as the uh, the aviation. Um, King uh, King yeah yeah i guess he was and it was um, it was quite a big deal when he passed away last year mm. um, for the industry actually but certainly back in the uk he was very well known well respected and well connected individual but ultimately very very passionate about what he did probably led to him maybe working a bit too hard
0: Right. Um, maybe didn't have balance
1: yeah you needed could, a you bit could more balance possibly in his argue that, that he would have yeah he possibly would have benefited from some balance that's okay. for sure yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, okay, so for me, I think, well, because I'm so far out of the sector, I think I choose Mark Fisher. So Mark Fisher was, is um, so he's, he's, he's an architect, but he designed all the great rock and roll shows of the night, late late 70s, early 80s, 90s. So when you think about Big Floyd's The Wall, if you think about uh, all those mega U2 shows, or particularly the Rolling Stone shows, the ones where, you know, you arrive as an audience with no idea what's happening, and then all of a sudden it's all moving around you, making some kind of scale of different things, changing over time. I remember The Wall, where they built a wall between you and the audience. And then, eventually they're knocking it down, aren't they? And then you're sort of seeing the band reappear from behind the wall. Yeah. if you're thinking about Rolling Stones and the Bridges to Babylon where they had a huge bridge that then built itself up into the middle of the uh, kind of audience and then the p- final performance happens within that. And I think what I love about what they did was they are yeah, interested in the sort of live programme. The fact is they're constantly changing the whole environment around you.
1: Mm. And that
2: idea of putting on a show and kind of caring deeply about... Like a friend of ours called Morris Leider who is, he was Pink Floyd's tour manager. He's, he's a brilliant guy. He lives in Sydney, actually. Okay. And he talks about this great wonderful equation called dollars per clap. And I think airports could learn a lot from dollars per clap. So that name? You spend your money based on whether it's going to kind of entertain and excite your audience. Yeah. So if they don't clap, it's a waste of money. Yeah. If I think about so much of the way wow. our cities are... Wow, that could apply to stand. everything. Exactly. So for, I was yeah. talking to someone there about the roof of Terminal 5 in London, which doesn't connect with any columns. It's completely freestanding, sort, of, sort of, what do I mean? free Spanning? Spanning, thing, you. Yeah. Free-spanning space. <laughs> but why, God, he's got in terms of dollars per clap, that is of zero value. Yes. Yeah, of course, it gives. It's see, an architect, it's the, an engineering feat. The potential that it's infinitely flexible, that you can stick loads yeah. of stuff in there. But nobody does it. You know, actually, what you need is loads of cranes hanging from that, and then you can start moving things around and actually reconstruct and recurate this thing on a seasonal basis. Mm. That's what Mark Fisher would do if you ran an airport, yeah. and I think that's what we should, we should learn from.
0: So, are you going to bring Mark Fisher in?
2: Sadly, Mark died a few Oh, did yeah. he? But okay. his. Anybody who's been to any of shows or all well, I know exactly what you're talking all about. Mm. All the stuff or marked in all of those shows too. That's what we're kinda of could learn a lot from.
1: Mm. Mm. So,
2: yeah. Good example though. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Very good example. C two are coming actually to Melbourne. have you heard about C two? See think I wonder if they're coming to Sydney. I actually think they're just doing it in Melbourne, which is Cirque du Soleil. It's event. Yeah. Oh, doing so events differently. I yeah. thought it was
1: like a YouTube. A Fabulous. I was um, so yeah. like,
0: thank God they're, they're finally doing it. Thank God they see an event as an integrated opportunity You know, to integrate different... Sectors, yes, performing arts and subject matter experts. The
2: world we live in is so siloed, isn't it? Because you know, people go to college or they they get stuck in their thing. But if you think, I like we were at a few festivals over the summer and I went to all my kids. Uh, Did you go to Glastonbury? Called, uh, I didn't go this year, but uh, it's called the Good Life Festival. And of course, in a festival, it's absolutely integrated, isn't it? Yes, that you know, you first look at the program and think what you're going to do, where you're going to spend your time, and then of course, it evolves and changes around your day. You don't judge it by the quality of the tents. The no. tent is only there to enable the experience and mm-hmm. I think in many ways you know that's what we should learn from. If only yeah. the books could be more like a festival. Hmm.
0: If yeah, if only we realised how much we can learn from musicians yeah. and artists. Yeah. You you know, they are, are so good at engaging aren't they?
1: Yeah the other example we've, we've been using a lot is Covent Garden London yeah. as well.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Covent Garden. I love it's Covent a, Garden yeah. but I'm not sure to do is why you know why why people go there the, mm. the, you know the the, 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 the program vibe. that's happening. It's yeah, the, 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 vibe, the atmosphere, the street entertainment. Yeah. But it's highly curated.
2: Yeah. That no matter, even though you know we, we sort of take for granted that there's things with lots of different like there's the apple, you know, there's there's a fruit, there's a, the fruit market where you can still kind of buy apples, thank God, but then there's the apple store there too. So you've got this mm. sort of so high end, low end, lots of variety going places mm. to eat, places to drink. There's live entertainment going on here, but there's also mega brands going on there. Mm. And they get that kind of balance right, mm. rather than I think what we often find at airports is it's always just sort of high-end or nothing. What you find in, in somewhere like Covent Garden is because the developers do care about that live curation and are constantly bringing
1: in kind of different stories, different characters, it gives us reason to go again and again. Mm-hmm. And it's such a diverse group of people that visit Covent yeah. Garden. Yeah. I used to work
0: there. Is Tutton's still there? Yeah. I used to work at Tutton's when I was 18. Go figure. Yeah. 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 It's an incredible place. I, I'll always remember Covent Garden. always felt so... Like a celebratory place. Yeah. Like people were there to experience new things. Yeah. And have fun, you know, to consume, but also to be. Yeah. Just to yeah. hang out. To be.
2: I think that's really interesting. Places to just be. Yeah. We don't do that enough.
0: Well, we consume a lot. I think the drive is that we all are consumers For from all of those brands that you work with, Adam. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's be honest... They exist because people consume.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, I'm a,
0: right. bit, I'm a bit anti-consumer now. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not a big... I don't like consuming. I've probably turned the other way and I've become a little bit more stoic. Yeah. And I think, I don't really want to be consuming all of these products. I don't need them. The world doesn't need people to be creating or yeah. brands to be creating more products. I mean, yeah. how, do you, how do you go with that feeling? Yeah and work for these brands yeah. I, think, I think you're
2: right in terms of kind of maximum stuff we are at maximum stuff we don't need any more if anything we need maybe better things things that are more relevant to us things that are more kind of specific to our needs sure. and I think a lot of the I suppose particularly some kind of the people the brands we're working with at the moment I think are interested in, in that that it is the, the quality of that relationship and rather than about the sort of singular object that you're buying it's about something that can actually be constantly updated and getting better with time and I think that's the bit that of course you're right that brands live or die by the transaction. But actually you could argue that the most important thing is the evangelism. It's the idea that you are an advocate, and once you've bought it and it's getting better you know you have that relationship with that brand that gets better and better and better with time. And actually the buying bit is secondary to that relationship and that advocacy. And so in many ways, what we're interested in is how you create, I suppose, yeah, that, that connection, the idea that customers as champions, but you've got a relationship that you want to champion that this brand doesn't let you down by just thinking a relationship ends when you buy. Mm. That you're constantly part of you know, you, you're it's helping you out. You are there's a reciprocal relationship there.
0: I mean in a yeah. way when you talk like that it feels almost like it they're borderline religion.
2: It's quite uh, cultish, though. isn't it?
0: It is a bit cultish. It's that feeling of I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but you are, I mean, you look at the power of the celebrity and the celebrity associations with brands and you do think that they're borderline godlike, aren't they? They're given that level of status. Yep. The cult like status. Yeah. Very, very powerful.
2: Yeah. But of course they can lose it so easily that if, if that if that brand if that, well, if that, lets you down. Well
0: if that celebrity lets you down, what mm. does the brand do?
2: Yeah, exactly. And we see that constantly, don't we? That, yeah. You know, well, the because humans, humans
0: are humans. Yeah. You know, celebrities are just human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We I all think... make mistakes. We all yeah. stuff up. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. You know, we're not machines. Yeah.
2: I think you I mean, I, I totally, the point about, because I'm, I'm totally with you on, I think most of our relationship, we're, 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 our work with brands, is about how we can kind of help them have that more honest, human relationship. Because the thing about putting on a live event, the brands are completely exposed. That, you know, you, there can be no flannel, there's no post production you're there kicking the tires of it and seeing if it is real if it really holds up to its promises mm. if it does genuinely have that human connection or is it just a sort of top-down authoritarian thing that has no interest really in me mm. and i think that's what i'm fascinated about you know i'll work with them it's about having
0: the bringing out that
2: human yeah those human values yeah, yeah
0: the people kind of that resonate with people yes the people really appreciate and ultimately
2: helping those brands to be better yeah, and, 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 if and relevant. Yes. If they're not relevant. relevant, then they should be around.
0: Yeah. So, okay, who, 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 I mean, it's a tough question because, of course, you've got a lot of clients, but who would you say are your kind of most interesting brand to work with from a curating perspective?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I think we didn't work at the moment with AMP, Really, and um, I think they're really interesting as they're talking, you know, because they're, you know, deeply concerned about you know, the workplace of the future, okay. and how you attract and. Retain people and going. It's not going to be just about the environment, it's going to be about that live experience and how that experience riffs off the changing needs of their employees and their mm. customers. And it's interesting, which I think we see a lot in Australia, you know, particularly with your bank, NAB, ANZ, have been yeah. fantastic innovators, you know, worldwide best practice. Really? In what the workplace should be like. Far better than anything I see in London.
1: Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah,
2: they're amazing work. And I think I'm finding those banks pioneering in their interest and experience so to answer your question Australian banks
0: wow well, that's amazing yeah. I never thought that I'd be um, positive about an Australia about a bank yeah well, no I think
2: they're working enormously hard on how yeah how to make sure that they are constantly relevant yes and I think that's that's fascinating, and I think that that's really important. And how they're doing that to attract you know, some you know best talent from around the world, and mm. uh, you know, coming to Melbourne and Sydney, particularly. So yes, there's some of my favourite people at the moment.
0: Yep. Okay. And now listen, there's a question that I generally ask all of my guests, and that is, what advice would you give your younger self if you sat down and had a a beer with him? What 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 advice would you give that 20-year-old self, for instance?
1: Yeah, um, and It's quite an easy one for me. Uh, I, I, I would I would advise my 20-year-old self to take that gap year and go travelling. Because I think mm. travel is one of the, the most amazing mind-broadening experiences. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough with the work I do to travel to many places. So I guess I've not lost out on the not having done the gap year, but... Um, you know, the, the, the benefits of, of getting a broader experience in your your, your little community or, or city that you've grown up and worked in and, and, and so on um, is huge. Um, so that's, that, yeah, I'd, I'd say, get out there and explore. Open your mind.
0: Yeah. Discover. Yeah. Be curious.
1: Curious, good word. Yeah. We like those things. Mm. It's... Uh, one of our values, I think, relentlessly curious. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's a hassle, though.
0: It's so human, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. To be curious and relentlessly curious is kind of being, I talk about often these days about being a, in a beginner's mindset yeah. all the time. Feeling comfortable, slightly uncomfortable. Mm. You know, you're kind of learning all the time. and Yeah, yeah it's a great feeling because you feel like, I'm no expert at anything and I'm okay with that.
1: You know.
2: I heard that described the other day as vuja day. So where, where where deja vu is when you sort of you you, you recognize as something you've seen before. Yeah. day is being in the mindset that everything is new.
0: Oh, I love that.
2: And so you're like a good anthropologist, go well that's fascinating. i like a goldfish. <laughs> but yeah, but, but going, I'm not going to kind of take all the stuff I know and sort of try and fit this yeah. question It'll into and be the answers the I have. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I could be um, saying I'm having a vuja day day.
2: I think that's a good beginning. I like that. Yep. Um,
0: so what advice would you give
2: your so 20-year-old self? I suppose self? it's connected to what you're talking about, Mark, that I, and so I, I was quite an anxious uh, teenager. Maybe I'm an anxious I don't adult know. now. And I when I I think what I tell my 20-year-old self is that I think that I um, that actually picking up the phone and being that people actually are much more interested in you as a young person than you think they are, and they're going to be much more open-minded to having a conversation than you'd ever expect, that I found that when I first, when I got through the idea that um, I didn't need to be worried or thinking about my own things, I could actually just get out there and meet people, and so I suppose it rifts around there's Woody Allen had a great uh, quote that he was talking about. People ask him how the secrets of success. And mm-hmm. he said it was turning up. And I think what I tell my planturism is oh, turning it, up. Make sure you turn up, whether that's a event, that party, that thing that maybe you're just oh, I'm feeling a bit tired, but just turn up. And amazing things happen when you turn up. Yeah, so that's I love what I tell that, my It's true. That is just fabulous. Mm-hmm. I love that.
0: So, yeah. yeah. am not like I don't particularly like Woody yeah. Allen, some of the things he's known for. Early Woody Allen. Yeah, we like that, we like that. We? <laughs> so what are your goals for the next few years? I mean, I would imagine it might have something to do with the Sydney airport, Mark?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we'd, we'd love to, I would love to um, design Western Sydney Airport. Absolutely no question about that. There's uh, the war
0: cry. Yeah,
1: okay. and if anybody's listening, you can make that happen. Then that <laughs> make I it happen. happen. <laughs> Great <laughs> <And it's> Pretty <laughs> right. big goal. Yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, it's just it's the kind of highest profile, probably most interesting um, aviation opportunity out there at the moment in this part of the world. So mm. um, it'll be I'll, I'll, I'll that be would one make of, your heart sing. Of, absolutely, it'll be one of will be one of a, a few that will be uh, pushing for that, including some international
0: mm. interest
1: as well. I would imagine. So, but we'll go hard for it. You know.
0: Well, I hope an Australian. Um, Australian architectural firm. Oh, with yeah,
1: with <laughs> yeah that, that's what I've been. Um, uh, that's what I've been. Homegrown. Of, yeah, absolutely. Coming from a poem that's uh, that's a bit, rough it's a bit ironic. But, I know. Um,
0: but you but, know, I spent 13 I, years in London, but I'm Australian. It's yeah, like we we talk about a global mm, world, yeah. don't we? And the global citizens. Yeah. That's so.
1: And then we have something to do with the kind of fashion for. Having international practices design things here these days, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a firm believer that as a as a new gateway to Australia and to Western Sydney, that um, I think it it it, it should be um, the second airport should be designed by. An Australian practice. It should be showcasing Australian talent, be it the design, the, mm. the artists, mm. furniture makers. You know. Well, I loved that. that
0: Helsinki example that yeah. you gave. That just sounded so fabulous. So
1: that's the relevance. That's the sense of place. That's that, That's the. Yeah. That will deliver that. I think the, the risk is with an international, what they call a mm. star architect is you'll get something that lacks that kind of relevance that somehow lacks context mm. um, and, and, and could risk delivering... Yeah, exactly. Um, a very kind of bland, um, generic apple term. Yeah, we wouldn't do that.
2: No, I know. So, I suppose in this sector, I think this... We're very interested in what well, I... We've talked about it a lot. Mm. The idea of an aerotropolis. The idea of where city, rather than... Because at the moment, I think the way airports are treated is a bit like those sort of second sons in Victorian novels who are sort of locked away in the attic. You know, they're pushed to the very edge of the city because mm. everyone's a bit embarrassed about them. They're mm. a bit dirty and mm. a bit kind yeah. of, you know, sort a bit of... industrial. A bit yeah, where actually, I think, to better integrate these places into the city as places where we work and we live and we play and to do something that isn't just about being a hub you know transport node yada yada but yeah, it's somewhere where i want just to spend and that's about time. it yeah where i can say i'm going to meet you at the airport i'm not even Absolutely. flying i should meet you at the aerotropolis and i think that would be an ambition of mine for the next five years to oh, kind I'd of that. define that new type and to make it something that is very much experience as underlay that's what we're aiming for <sighs>
0: Well, gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to the two of you today. Thank you. And to be honest, I love, I'm really celebrating the fact that you are collaborating. Hassles and Free State, I think, is just such a wonderful marriage, for want of a better term, because it will, it's almost like the diamond, I think it's almost like the uncut diamond and... And the polishing of that diamond that I see that that marriage is really reflecting. So I hope you do some really amazing work in Australia too. So I'm going to be following you very closely. Thank you very much for Thanks, coming along.
2: Thank you very much.